an absolute thriller at the Target Center. Wolves keep the best record in the West in a gutty performance without Anthony Edwards. And I got Wolves expert Tyler Metcalf to help me break it all down. And it's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves postcast. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wolves win a wild one versus OKC to stay atop the West. 106-103. They moved to 13-4. and They're now 7-1 and at home. What's happening, everyone? Thanks for joining. We're back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Tyler Metcalf, on Twitter, at TMetcalf13. And Tyler, before we jump in to all the action from tonight, quick reminder this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the NBA. All right, man, let's just jump right into this one because we got a lot to cover, a lot of anticipation all day heading into this one, knowing you got two of the hottest teams in the West battling for first place. Wolves said, let's forget about the in-season tourney before this one started, but fully understood this was still a huge regular season matchup. And this game, it did not disappoint absolutely gritty, energetic, entertaining game down to the wire. And in the end, it was the Wolves who, I guess, win the battle, but potentially lose the war with Anthony Edwards leaving the game. And I know he's going to be the atopic, uh, the health of Ant. He took a nasty spill with three minutes left in the third. Rest assured, we're going to spend plenty of time on all that. But first and foremost, Tyler, just give me your big headline from this one, your biggest takeaway from tonight's win over the Thunder. What should tomorrow's headline read? Uh, Rudy Gobert, 2024 Defensive Player of the Year. Wow. Somebody um, has to say it. Yep. It, he just, this is the best he's played defense in his entire career. And I, I know that's saying something given the absurdity that he was in Utah, but he was not moving in space on the perimeter this consistently there. And the way that he is impacting the entire game night in and night out on the defensive end of the floor is absolutely absurd. It was in the fourth quarter, that series against Chet Holmgren, where he closed out to the corner, contained the drive, contested the mid-range pull-up. You know, they get the offensive rebound. He scrambles back, contests another pull-up, contests at the rim. He covered almost the entire court in that one possession. He was absolutely outstanding tonight, and Troy Brown Jr. was a godsend. He was so incredibly good for them tonight. I'm going to ask you a little bit more in depth on both those guys here in a second, but Ant, okay, he scores nine in the first half. Then he comes out, puts 13 of the team's 18 points up in the third period before he left. He went down hard on the right hip, stayed down for a while until he got up on his own, shot his free throws, and then he went to the locker room, just limping the entire way, obviously hurt, obviously struggling. He came back on his own power. A little bit of a tease. We didn't know if he was going to try to come back in the game. He did not. Obviously, his health is going to be the A topic the next 24 hours until we get official word or status. Any latest on Ant via Twitter or anything like that that you've seen on Ant so far? Um, I don't believe so. I believe I think all that I've seen was um, like we were talking about before we started, before we went on air, that Chris Finch called it a hip contusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that that's a fancy word for a bruise, basically. So we'll we'll see. I and mean, that could have been 
so much worse. That's such a dirty play. The slide under charge, the, the fact that the NBA hasn't outlawed that yet, given mm. everything else they're legislating from the game is absurd. It's the most dangerous play in the game. And yet this is what happens. This is what happens. They put their superstars at risk and it's trash. It's not a defensive play, um, but it could have been a lot worse. I'm guessing he'll probably miss a game or two, hopefully nothing more. Um, but the bright side of it is that, you know, it's at the end of November, early December. Those are the games that he'll be missing, and it's not something longer lasting, and it's not something that's happening in April. Yeah, I mean, you could hear a pin drop, dude, at Target Center. I wasn't there. We'll talk to Jack Borman on the next game. I guess that will be Thursday. He's there covering the game, but um, absolutely everybody, collective breath. Sounds like, again, maybe hopefully just a knock on wood, deep bruise, like you said, misses a game or two. And again, you're already missing Jaden McDaniels, guys like McLaughlin, things like that. That you can survive for a patch of two, three weeks. You lose Ant-Man. Uh, obviously, all of a sudden, first thing you think of is, oh, no, I mean, here we go again. We lost Cat for half the season last year please don't say it so but dude what does it say about a team when they lose their best player heading into the fourth quarter in a game like this and still find a way to win a game versus one of the hottest surging teams in the nba like speak to the the psyche the confidence a win like this can do for a team yeah, I mean, we, just looking at the box score, Mike Conley, 3 of 14 shooting, Carl Anthony Towns, 2 of 8 shooting, Kyle Anderson, 2 of 6 shooting. Some of the biggest names didn't show up at all in mm -hmm. terms of scoring tonight. And yet this team has a real identity. They're a defensive team. Uh, they have some offensive superstars and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed, um, you know, and even Jane McDaniels and Mike Conley on the, on the right nights. But this is a defensive team. And once Ant went down, that defense really kicked up a notch and they executed every single possession down the stretch. And the fact that they now have this go-to identity of being able to defend at the highest level in the league every single game, that speaks volumes to the coaching, to the players buying in, to the chemistry that these guys have built. It, it's really impressive, and it, it's a sign of a team, an actual team with the Timberwolves that we haven't seen from them in a really long time. Yeah, and uh, you know, shout out to the comment section. At least the next two are against Utah and the Mellow Lift Charlotte. So both winnable games, even if he does have to miss multiple games there over this next week. It it just feels like we just watched a game that could stay with this team the rest of the season, give them the confidence they need that they can beat any team no matter what the night, no matter if they're missing a guy or two. Um, so much more, I do want to get into this one because, again, this was this was absolutely wild. I'm still jacked up. How about the depth? You kind of touched about Troy Brown. Just for, for two seconds here, real quick, your knee-jerk reaction. Uh, stud goes down like Ant did in fourth quarter. Other guys got to step up. And we could talk a lot about uh, you know, a lot of other guys, but Troy Brown Jr., man, he's shown us some things now for the last two, three games in a row on both ends of the court, showed up big late tonight. Give me your sense on TBJ, because a lot has been made by the fans about the T-Wolves bench play these first 20 games or so. And he's continuing to prove that he's one of the more reliable options off the bench. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker really struggled on offense tonight, and Troy Brown was able to basically fill that fill his shoes um, while being a better rebounder and knocking down corner threes and, you know, going four or six from the line. So 17 points in 21 minutes on six field goal attempts. Those are in insane efficiency numbers. Now I wouldn't expect that from him on a nightly basis, but it shows the importance of his veteran presence because he, 
and he's played alongside guys like LeBron. He's gone deep into the playoffs. He's been a high-level role player on tremendous teams for for quite some time now. So the fact that he's able to just come in off the bench, despite having a really inconsistent role for most of the season, is a real testament to the talent and the production throughout this team. As we continue to you know, miss Jaden, he would have been really important for them tonight. A guy like Troy Brown is able to fill in the shoes and make Nikhil Alexander-Walker a little more expendable when he is having this brutal of a shooting night. Uh, you can just see it. If you're just sitting down and watching these games like we are, Troy Brown, man, is just starting to steadily heat up here these past two, three games. Find a little bit of a role, a little bit of a niche he's carving out here on both ends of the court. Uh, meanwhile, you mentioned Nah, tough game for him. Mm-hmm. One for seven. I think only three points he ended with. Uh, 30 seconds because... I think you brought up a great point. I just want to hear your two cents on it. 30 seconds. How much did they miss Jaden tonight guarding SGA? Because normally in this matchup in the past, Wolves have gotten the better of OKC, and Jaden's done a really good job containing him specifically. Tonight, though, he puts up 32. He made things tough tonight. Yeah, and he's one of the best players in the world. Um, So totally taking him out of the game probably isn't going to happen, but making his life so much more difficult is what Jaden would have done because we've seen him, how much more effective he is, especially on the bigger kind of primary initiators. Um, and we saw Nikhil kind of get shrugged off a little, a little too easily on some of those mid range pull-ups uh, from Shea. So I think Jaden's length would have allowed him to recover a little more effectively. I think Jane's a little stronger. So he absorbs that contact a little better. Um, you know, maybe he would have gotten in a little more foul trouble, but I, I think that would have kind of traded off just his size and length and ability to kind of withstand that physicality uh, definitely would have made an impact in the Wolves' favor. Uh, you touched on this at the top, but the, the group chat wants more of it. How about that Rudy versus Chet, though? Just real quick. I mean, that's a matchup everybody wanted to see. On one hand, OKC, dude, dominated the glass. I think they had at least 15 more rebounds by the end of the night, but Rudy, Four blocks, 17 points, 16 boards, and he just made life tough for Chet, who's been, I mean, really, the entire season, one of the hottest young guys in the league. Yeah, uh, just real quick, uh, other way on the rebound. So oh, uh, oh, okay. Timberwolves finish with 62. Oh, okay, I looked at that, I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> that can't be right. Okay, yeah, that's I'm, good. Ch- Chet's been insane this year. Uh, I think he's like top five in EPM, um, arguably rookie of the year, insanely efficient. They held him to six of 20 shooting negative four plus minus uh they did a really good job in the second half they kept trying to drag rudy out to the perimeter and they kept switching up their defensive looks whether it's going to zone or pre-switching um every time chet would try and drag rudy out there they would they would trade off and rudy would immediately switch down onto the low man so he could stay closer to the paint um to really keep being that impactful um and not allow OKC to really stretch the floor and create those driving lanes that SGA and Giddy and Chet love to exploit. And then when he had to, he closed out on Chet and contained him on those drives. I'll admit I missed the first like 10 minutes or so of this one. And when I finally got to sit down, tune in, the Wolves were shooting, man, like 25%, yeah, six of bad. 24, six turnovers. They end up finishing over 40%. 
But what do you see from OKC that was giving the Wolves so many fits right away? And I will say this, too, before you even answer that. Sometimes you can just chalk it up to OKC being one of the best point differential teams in the first and fourth quarters this season, whereas the Wolves, they've been one of the best point differential teams in the second and third quarter. They outscored OKC 50 to 40 in the second half. But what do you see in that department early on? And I guess the shift, right, the shift throughout the game to not only shoot the ball better, but get OKC from over 50% shooting back down to 40%. Yeah, and offensively, they just came out really flat um, and really quiet first half. I think he only had like six points to assist somewhere in that ballpark. Um, And OKC kind of kept daring them to drive and kick out to Nikhil, and he just wasn't hitting threes. Uh, One of seven overall shooting on the night. A lot of turnovers, a lot of missed wide open threes. But in the second half, the offense didn't, look all that much different they took better care of the ball but it's the defensive end where they really stepped up and a lot of that was that those driving lanes that sga um and jalen williams and chet had in the first half because they were pulling rudy all the way out to the perimeter they had those in the first but that that defensive mindset and that switch of keep doing whatever possible to keep um one of the centers, typically Rudy, but also they did it with Cat um, in the second half to make sure that always one of them was around the rim, really kind of clogged things up, tried to force OKC into being more of a jump shooting team. They've been better shooting this year, but their their main goal is to get to the rim and having Rudy there really upset a lot of that. Yeah, that was fun to watch. And and just real quick too, I, I, I'm just curious. I, I hate to be this guy because I'm always the the person who says you couldn't pay me enough to be a ref or an ump in baseball. Virtually it's a lose, lose job every night. There's just no way. And I don't want to go into every missed call and all that. So I'm just going to ask you yes or no one word answer. I mean, you already mentioned the dirty play and got taken out on, but did you think the refs had a bad game tonight or not enough to concern yourself with? What do you think? Uh, it, It was rough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not the only one. Okay, no. I just wanted to, I just want to make sure. And then again, sometimes it's okay to just give credit where credits due. Like OKC, yeah. eleven and five coming in for a reason. It was fun sitting down and watching that team for four full quarters. And I'm not gonna lie, man, for such a young team too, they looked awfully poised, mature. Maybe is the right word for most of tonight, didn't they? Like, what's what's the identity as a ball club of OKC this year, in your opinion? Because that. That's a team Wolves fans might just have to get used to this year and beyond even 2024 and beyond if they keep playing like this. Yeah, and what one of their big philosophies in terms of drafting these last couple of years as they've been rebuilding is to target guys with positional size and versatility, but mainly incredibly high basketball IQ. And you see it from everyone who's ever on the court with them. They're just constantly making the right read, the right play. Maybe the shots don't always go in. Maybe they throw the ball away, but... 99% of the time, those guys are making the right read, the right rotation, the right pass, the right kick out, all of it. And that's really what they hang their hat on. And then you combine that with an ex- incredibly high level coach and Mark Dagnalt, and you get a lot of really fun basketball from them. So Wolves did an awesome job of limiting them in terms of shooting efficiency, but the style of play that they play mm-hmm. with um, on offense is really replicable, kind of similar to how the Timberwolves are on defense. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's going to be a great matchup. Uh, Wolves play OKC, I want to say December 26th, but in about a month. So we'll see this one again up close and personal. All right, I got a few more for you here in this one. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Prize Picks. 
Quick reminder, tonight's postcast is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is without a doubt the most fun I've had playing Daily Fantasy because you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. Why I love it, it's just so easy to play. All you got to do is select two or more players and you pick more or less than their projected stats on any given night. And Now you can even cross sports and pick multiple players in different sports altogether. That's just another reason why Prize Picks is the funnest way to play Daily Fantasy. Plus, Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay. For quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, check this out. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Maybe you had Ant tonight, no big deal. Any game, any player gets hurt in the first or second half and doesn't return, that player gets rebooted on your bet slip. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's promo code LockedOnNBA at pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA for 100% bonus match up to $100. Our guy Jack Warman obviously joins us on most of these podcasts as well. Uh, Tweeted out before the game, Chris Finch took the in-season tourney off the table, quote-unquote, tonight and just kind of, he just admitted that given all the different scenarios, right, needing 20-plus point wins, etc., they were going to treat this one just like a regular season game. He did preface, of course, that doesn't mean that we aren't taking this one seriously or anything, but uh, that they weren't going to try to run up the score at the end late in the fourth quarter. I'm just curious what your thoughts were when you heard Chris Finch's game plan tonight as far as that goes. Yeah, and it made sense. I think they needed to win by like 38 to uh, pass the Suns in terms of point differential, which it it wasn't going to happen. But it didn't seem like the players got that memo. Uh, They were playing incredibly hard. They were playing like it was a a single elimination game. Um, And that's what you want to see when they come and play the top of their conference and when it comes down to seeding at the end of the year we always look back and there, there are a couple games that separate the bulk of the playoff teams hmm. and this could be a big differentiator and having that win and doing it in a similar fashion to kind of how they beat them down in the playing game last year with overwhelming size dominating them on the boards really controlling the paint um especially on defense that's really reassuring that they have a proven path to success and they did this without Jaden McDaniels and without Anthony Edwards for most of the third and fourth quarter. I got to ask because I'm I'm out of the loop apparently. Why do we boo Josh Giddy every time he touched the ball tonight? Like, what's the deal? What did I miss? Uh, there are some investigations going on about him potentially having a relationship with an underage female. Okay, that's so. great. All right. Sorry I asked. Sorry I asked, <laughs> honestly. All right. Um. I don't know if you saw this one, by the way, Um, the athletic, I just want to pull it up real quick. The athletic, they just came out with their new NBA power rankings. Obviously this is all super fluid night to night, right? But your Minnesota Timberwolves are third in the NBA in the athletic power rankings. Thunder were seventh, if you were wondering, but here's the blurb new face in a new pit, new face in a new place. Mike Conley was acquired at the trade deadline last season, but examining his play so far seems more noteworthy than a newcomer like Shake Milton, quote unquote, no offense. Conley has an absurd 6.6 to one assist to turnover ratio and a 64 true shooting percentage. And he's got more steals than turnovers. 
Obviously, he's not the long-term solution at 36 years old, but the Wolves brought in the perfect veteran guard next to Anthony Edwards. I know he didn't have a great night tonight, but I said it last week. Dude gets overshadowed a lot with the big three, soaking up all the attention and all the spotlight. How nice is it to see him get some national love when he hears something like this, not to mention a couple of ridiculous stats in there as well. Yeah, I mean, again, tonight, eight assists, zero turnovers. Um, it's just he's that constant calming presence um, who does nothing but make the right decision every single time. The shot's always, not always going to go in like it did tonight, but there were a couple games earlier this season where the offense was flat in the third quarter, and he single-handedly took it over with a couple threes, a couple assists, and built builds a two-point lead into a 12-point lead in the blink of an eye. So with someone as electric and young and immature, don't mean that as an insult, as Anthony Edwards, that veteran presence, that veteran leader, that calming presence of Mike Conley is just such a great kind of fire and ice combo um, where he's seen and experienced more basketball than most of the guys on this roster and gone deep into the playoffs. He's been with awesome teams. He's played with Rudy Gobert for a lot of years. So he knows how to get guys involved and knows that he doesn't have to get going for this team to succeed. But if things are floundering, he's always there to pick them up. Uh, such a good point. A lot of good uh, uh, points in there. Such a great breakdown. Quick trip down memory lane to remind you, too, how insane that trade was. Tim Conley turned D-Low and a 2028 second-round pick into Conley? Nah. A 2024 second round pick, which as of today would be the 34th overall pick and a 2025th second round pick, not to mention, oh yeah, Leonard Miller as well. How sane was that trade looking back? Easy to say in hindsight, I know, but how tr uh, how crazy was that move by Tim Conley last year? Yeah, it was insane value uh, to get for a point guard that was never going to come back in D'Angelo Russell. He, he wasn't going to resign. Timberwolves weren't going to resign him. And the fact that they're able to get a guy like Mike Conley, who is so low maintenance um, and just does his job, doesn't complain. You know, you never see him complaining or crying to the refs. He gets a foul call on him. He might shake his head, and that's pretty demonstrative for him. Um, so the fact that they were able to bring him in, plus a bunch of sec you know second-round picks that odds are they don't turn into anything, but maybe they're an extra piece in the trade or they're a home run swing like a Leonard Miller who really develops into something down the line. It's just more room for error for this team that especially, you know, looking forward terms, you know, salary cap uh, wise, they're going to need some cheap pieces who can contribute. Maybe that's what or where what some of those second round picks turn into. Low maintenance for Mike Conley. I love that explanation and description. So true, so accurate. All right, couple more quickies to close right after a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line wager. That means all you got to do is find the best money line wager you like, put down five bucks, you win that bet, you're getting $150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. 
Last couple before we wrap up here. Who's your bet right now for the in-season tourney? It's a shame the Wolves aren't going to make this thing, but who's your money on from the East and West if I made you pick? Um, let me pull up this. I mean, the the, the Phoenix Suns are playing yeah. incredible basketball right now. Yep. Um, they wouldn't surprise me. Also, you know, a team like the Indiana Pacers, I think is a really kind of fun. I kind of like that fun shout for you know long-term look um you know the the bucks clinched today the celtics clinched their spot uh looks like the knicks are in the pacers are the only ones there that aren't really expected to win much this year and they their offense is absolutely absurd this year so a young team kind of up and coming they're playing really good basketball right now i i think that'd be kind of a fun long shot no, I love that. Uh, I always pick your brain on this one, too, to close. Just what's going on in the rest of the league right now? Anything new just kind of jumping out to you when you think about the Wolves right now in the West? I should say all alone at the top of the West right now after that huge win. What's sticking out to you the past 72 hours or so since the last time we spoke in the NBA? Um, This is shocking to me, but the Houston Rockets are really good. Wow. Um, it's kind of a bummer because, you know, they, they the last couple of years they've been a really nice kind of guaranteed win um but they kind of similar to the timberwolves they have this identity of really tough nose defensive first basketball and Ime Udoka is doing a really good job with that group down there uh dylan brooks none of us you know are a big fan of him um right. <laughs> but you know he's playing really good right now fred van vliet fred van vliet excuse me is making his presence felt alper and shangoon is playing incredible basketball down there for them um so they're eight and six right now they're Real close, uh, you know, it's like a seven-point game with a minute and a half left against the Maver Mavericks right now. I don't think they're title contenders, but they're they're unfortunately a lot better, and um, they're going to be a tough out than I was anticipating. Well said. Well done tonight, as always. Absolutely thriller tonight at the Target Center. Wolves win a huge one versus OKC. They moved to thirteen and four on the season. They're seven and one on home. 106-103 victory tonight. Anthony Edwards, of course, he goes down. Sounds like a hip contusion from Chris Finch. We'll keep you posted on his status. Hopefully, though, just something he only misses a game or two. As always, huge shout-out to everybody who joined tonight's postcast. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder as well, go check out all Tyler's work on Twitter. Tyler, tell him your uh, X handle and then anything you got coming out over the next few days that you've been working on. Uh, yeah, you can follow me, um, at team Metcalf 11. Uh, all my stuff is over at canishoopus.com. You can find my stuff on Twitter, on Twitter, or X or wh whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I hopefully soon something on Rudy Gobert's defense and then, um, Anthony Edwards is uh, pick and roll creation kind of evolution. So love it. Love it. Always love to pick your brain and read that stuff over there. Can't wait to check that out. That'll do it for us tonight though. Next on deck. We got the Utah Jazz this Thursday back at the Target Center. Tip-off, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Join us again right here for the entire recap. Follow all our work over on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. And one more plug, if you haven't already, go check out Ben Beacon over on the Locked On Wolves podcast as well. He's Tyler Metcalf. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.